Welcome to Don't Listen to Us, episode number 24. I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. For the first time ever, ever, I think this is a watershed moment in the history of Don't Listen to Us. By the way, send us emails to dltu at yml.me. For the first time ever, I said, do you want to do a DLTU? T-? And the YouTube said, yes, right away. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I kind of would go. <laughs> you were not as excited as you were this morning. It's afternoon. Um, Any particular reason? Maybe it's because it's afternoon or something, because the other ones are usually in the morning, or breakfast after, is done, dishes are done. After our pancakes. After our pancakes and strawberries and coffee. Could be. Not sure. I'm just very glad to, 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 to see your excitement this time around. Oh, I apologize for that. Oh. I like doing the show. Well, that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Seeing we're now on number 24, did you say? Number 24, yes. 24 times later. I like doing the show. Yeah, finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got an email from our friend Scott Thrift in Sydney, in Australia. Sydney. Hi, Scott. Uh, hey, Sean, Melissa, I had replied the post you posted about uh, talk from Jay. Remember Jay Earl? We were saying about uh, things that you could and couldn't do. Um, that you, how the past is better than the future. We didn't have Tinder and all that kind of. Oh that yes, yes, yes. So Scott says, being forty-one this year, I'm of the generation that's seen all the changes that technology has brought. I can remember life before the internet, the mobile phone, even microwave ovens. <laughs> we're, we're, we're teasing you, Scott, because we're both older. We're than older that, than so. you, Scott. So, uh, yes, the mobile phone and internet shrinks the world. I have instant access to the sum total of human knowledge and anyone, anywhere, and sometimes it sucks. <laughs> it means that everyone expects me to be available 24-7, to reply at all hours and be present at whatever the hell time it is where they are. Hmm. <laughs> As a kid, my friends were the kids next door. My internet was the local library. Contact was via snail mail or a short call as long as the other person was within local calling dialing area. Mm. Or it could be called after 7 p.m. at night when long distance was cheaper. My yeah. grandma baked from scratch. A store-bought pizza, sorry, a store-bought pie never crossed her doorstep. She refused to even consider a microwave, and her food tasted so much better. Mm. Got to stop here. Perception is very interesting. Let's say he's talking about grandma when he was 10. 31 years later, yes, your grandmother's food tastes better. I, I guarantee you everyone thinks of grandma. it's your grandmother's food. And it's also the memory of your grandmother's food. Yeah. Okay. He says, it means everyone expects me to be available 24-7. That's a problem that we ha- definitely have in our society, but I think part of it's a problem of your own making. That... If someone calls you at 2 a.m. and you answer, you're allowing them to call you at 2 a.m. Because mm-hmm. the next time, they'll do it again and again and again. For me, I turn my phone off Turn my phone off at night. Someone in my family could die, and I'm not going to know about it until I wake up the next morning, which is the way I want it. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I can't do shit about it at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. you know, God forbid it's going to happen at some point. My, my beloved stepmom, mom in Nova Scotia, who is 75 years old, is going to pass away. And the odds are she's going to pass away at a time when when I'm going to be asleep because it's four hours ahead, Nova right. Scotia. I don't want to know at 4 a.m. No offense, Mom, but I'll find out when I wake up. Yeah, it doesn't matter, really. I'm not going to do a damn thing about it in, until then. Unless she has a dying word that she needs to say to you. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So part of it is the way we manage our lives. If we let technology manage us, it will. If we manage technology... It won't. The French just passed a law recently that said employers were not allowed to contact employees via email or that kind of stuff. Yes, I saw that. After, I think, 6 p.m. Yes. That's already my law. Yes. I already say that when, when I deal, I don't, you don't, just don't check mail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So many of you, you are one of the very few people I know that don't get work mail on your phone. You don't get any email on your I phone. I don't want email on my phone. Most people get their work mail on their phone. Mm-hmm. Well, that's your own damn fault then if if at, at, at 12 a.m. or uh, yeah, at midnight, your boss happens to be up and sends you a message and you get it, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. Turn that shit off. Mm-hmm. Manage that stuff. Don't like, get, the, unless the company pays for my phone, you're not getting, you're not going to send me email on my phone. I'm simply not going to set up my work address on my damn phone. Mm-hmm. 
It takes some work. It takes some doing. But you've got to control technology. You've got to control these situations. You can't let this stuff steamroller you because six months, a year, five years down the road, you find you can't turn off your 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 email on your phone because mm-hmm. your boss said, "Well, I contacted you last night at, mm-hmm. or last month at nine p.m. Mm-hmm. and you, you answered. Mm-hmm. You set a precedent." Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid, my friends were the kids next door. Yes, that's true. But as an adult, my friends are now all over the world. Like literally, Scott. I mean, if it hadn't been for the internet, we would not be able to email Scott. Scott would not be able to communicate to us. No. We could not go to Sydney, Australia and go, hey, I know a guy who lives here. Yeah, so there's a beauty to that. Wonderful. You should still have the kids next door as your friends. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But it allows... If he did it, he doesn't. He might in the future. But it allows kids like Rory, who's 12, to have friends are all around the world. Mm-hmm. Not just that kid who lives next door. And what happens if you, if you don't have a kid who lives next door? You know, my little brother, uh, David, when we were kids living on the farm, he had no friends. He had me, my sister, and cows. Mm. You know, and that was it. He mm. had no one else to play with. Mm. There was no, There were no neighbors. So we have to keep this kind of stuff in mind. That, that there's good and bad Absolutely of the past there is. and the yes, present. Yes, yes. Uh, he says, I met my first partner in a work function. I've never used Tinder or the GLBT equivalent. And in my, air quotes, good old days, we only had to worry about the local dirty old man. Everyone knew who he was. And all the kids never knew <laughs> never to true. talk to him. Yeah, that's The internet true. has become a lolly shop for predators and perverts. All in all, I sometimes wonder if we really are better off now. By every objection, objective measurement, we as a human race are definitely better off now. Fewer people are dying of diseases that can be cured or have been cured. Fewer people are in poverty. We have more food than before. Everything possible. Mm-hmm. We're doing better. We're doing Much better. better. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, as you get more and more granular, as you start narrowing that down to, to fewer and fewer groups of people and fewer and fewer people, things can get worse for some of them. There's a really interesting book. Uh, do you know who the uh, sci-fi author Isaac Asimov was? No. He was my very first sci-fi author, and I loved his stuff when I was a kid. It's very interesting. His stuff does not translate well into the future, into now. Oh. He wrote in the 50s and 60s, and his writing style is very dated. It's almost painful to read his stuff now. Oh. Um, but I remember as a kid loving his stuff. He came up with the three rules of robotics. Mm-hmm. That if we ever have personal robots like butlers, maids in our homes, mm-hmm. they'll likely put in the three rules of robotics. Because Isaac Asimov came up with these on his own. I know I'm going off uh, off topic. Hang on. Three rules of robotics. It's really interesting that this guy came up with this concept in 1942 in a book. They are the first rule of robots. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings except where such orders will conflict with the first law. Right. So you can't tell a robot. You can't say to your robot, go kill that dude over there. Mm -hmm. And number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. Hmm. Those are really good. Mm -hmm. That's that's the the three commandments of robotics right there. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a whole bunch of stories that worked on how those can be broken but not quite broken and... Uh, these laws were were imprinted into robot brains. It was part of their coding, and they could not break free of this. So the stories were kind of interesting along those lines. But he came up with another uh, thing called the Foundation Series. Fascinating, fascinating series of books. Uh, Trilogy. Trilogy in four parts. The Foundation Series dealt with the fact that human beings individually are not predictable, but the larger the group, the more predictable they are. Interesting. And so the book had the idea that when it came to entire civilizations, you could predict very accurately how whole civilizations, billions of billions of people, would act into the future. Right. I can't predict your activities. No, but, but how a civilization may evolve is predictable. So our civilization is pretty predictable. We move forward towards goodness. 
Yes, that's the either goal. intentionally or by accident. Mm-hmm. But individually, we can be absolute assholes. Mm-hmm. There's there's no doubt about that. Not a whole lot you can do about that either. So, the technology we have nowadays, and I've always said this, and I, I think I'm not the first person to say it. Obviously, technology in general is fairly neutral. Technology, for the most part, isn't necessarily good or bad. It's how we use it. It's being conscious about how you use it. Yeah. The, the, the idea, he said, uh, we only had to worry about the local dirty old man. Everyone knew who he was. And now the internet has uh, become a lolly shop for predators and perverts, he says. True. True. It has made that stuff more accessible. Yes. But it's also made it easier to catch them. It's easier to set up honeypots. And, and that's how a lot of law enforcement catch these people is by going, hey, look over here. Here's what you want. Mm. And when you access it, we, we, we get you. Okay. I do believe that we are better off as a society. You personally may not be. You may be poorer than you were when you were a kid or um, less better off in any number of ways. But I think as a society, certainly Western culture, I think we are in general better off than we were any period of time in the past. Yeah. Except for our presidents. Except for our presidents, yes. Well, oh my goodness. Uh, I got uh, unreasonably excited yesterday when I got a, uh, a retweet from General Michael Hayden. General Michael Hayden, uh, you may not recognize the name, but you've certainly seen him if you have any interest at all in um, secrecy and the CIA and that kind of stuff. Yes. General, General Hayden was, for, was the only person, I think, to ever be head of the NSA, the National Security uh, Agency, and the CIA. Mm-hmm. So this guy knows a lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. One, one, one of his best lines, he was being interviewed about something uh, about 9-11. And he said, I don't know anything about that. And if I did, I couldn't tell you. Yes. And yeah. he had this wonderful smile on his face. He's a very interesting speaker. That said, yeah, Good I know interview. exactly what you're talking about, but there's no way I'm going to give you any no. hint whatsoever. About no. It. But when he does talk about stuff, his latest book is uh, American National Security in the Age of Lies. Oh. The Assault on Intelligence, it's called. Oh, um, hmm. yeah. Former director of the CIA and NSA, um, his uh, Twitter account is General. Sorry, his Twitter account is Gen G E N M Hayden H A Y D E N. And I've been following him for a long time. I really like his his tweets. Um, he's political in a very very polite kind of way. He doesn't. He's not crazy about Trump or the policies. But he doesn't call names or anything. No. He's, he's a very professional mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. And every time I've seen an interview with him, even if I don't agree with his politics, uh, he has said some things uh, uh, with regards to security and secrecy that I would disagree with. Mm-hmm. But he knows more about the stuff than I do. Mm-hmm. So my opinion doesn't mean as much as his his might. And then, so I said something, he said something about, uh, um, I can't remember what it was. But he, he tweeted something and I... Um, I retweeted it and commented on it, and he started following me. No, sorry. First of all, he, mm-hmm. he retweeted my tweet, which is kind of cool. Yeah. The guy's got 180,000 followers. Mm-hmm. He just sent my tweet out to 180,000 people, which is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. And um, I wrote that um, that uh, General Michael Hayden just retweeted one, one of my silly little tweets, and you have no idea how tickled pink that makes me. Mm-hmm. It was kind of neat, you know? Oh, yes. And then he started following me. That's kind of freaky. I know. Aren't you nervous? A little bit. <laughs> he said, I, I wrote, well, shit. General Michael Hayden just started following me. He's a man I respect a great deal, a man I enjoy watching being interviewed and would love to interview him. Someone I'd love to buy a beer for if he's ever in Vancouver. But he shouldn't be following me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You, you shouldn't. My, no one should really follow me on Twitter. I've always said this. Don't follow me on Twitter. My wife doesn't follow me on Twitter. Why? Because well, my Twitter feed is just drivel. It's just, it's just mindless stupidity. Isn't that what most Twitter feeds Yes, it is. Around? Which yeah, is why I'm, you I'm an anti-Twitterite. She really is. <laughs> which is why I have no problem if someone doesn't follow me on Twitter. Because right. I, I, I recognize, from my point of view... From my tweeting, nothing really important comes from me on Twitter. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's 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 laughable. Maybe uh, quite often it's just stupid. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it's not it's not important in any way, shape, in or form. In your opinion. In my opinion. 
So having General Hayden, who's got to be a very busy, very important man, follow me. He's like, dude, I don't want to waste your time with my verbal diarrhea filling up your well, Twitter feed. Well, this goes along with what you always say, is that the general will decide and he will sieve out those that he doesn't want to follow very quickly. So he can take that into his own. He's a big boy. So I, I wrote, you know, what, what are the Vegas odds of the general following me by the end of the week? And, and he wrote back to me. Oh. He said, Vegas odds are eight to five and pick uh, up. Like, <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Cool. Yeah, he said he was in Vancouver last week. Oh, a little, yeah, little, yeah. Little, little, little oh, my gosh. A little tay-to-tay with yeah. General Hayden. <laughs> it really was cool. Sean's like a little boy right I now, know. everyone. It was, I know. Like, it, <laughs> it was actually actually literally a little bit cool. to have. A, is he still gen- following you? He is. Today. I just checked. <laughs> I will check every day. You're going to, aren't you? Every day. I will. I and, of will, course, you'll tweet out when he stops following you. Of course. You. Of course I will. I have no problem with that. Um, no, he shouldn't be following me. He's he's got to have more important things to follow. He'll me. follow who he wants to follow and unfollow who he wants to unfollow. This is so ridiculous. You had two lines last week that had me rolling on the floor laughing. I don't remember where mm. the first one came from, and maybe you can remind the audience what it comes from. But I had to write it down as soon as you said it. You wrote, or you said, he looks like an emotionally stable Woody Allen. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did that, what that, was that rabbi. What was that? Well, we watched the rabbi get interviewed about the the line in oh, Manhattan that right. delineates for Shabbat, like uh, yes. uh, uh, for the for the Jewish community, and the man being interviewed looked just like Woody Allen, except with not the furrowed brow and the and the. Uh, so yes, he looked like an emotionally stable Woody Allen. What a great line! That just cracked me up. He looks like an emotionally <laughs> stable Woody, Woody Allen, and now. This one, I don't know if you want to uh, explain this one. We were we were uh, talking as we love to do, and you said, "Well, I was on a I, I was on a journey of self discovery." <laughs> well, I'm not commenting on that. That's very personal, you bugger! Oh my goodness! <laughs> I am not. I and people can decipher from that what they will. No, they won't. I'm going to tell them. Oh, good Lord. You ready? Sure. Okay. We were talking about our our past love lives. And I accept the fact that my wife has, in the biblical sense, lain with other other men. Oh, yes. Well, yeah. More than one. Of course. Dozen. Oh, my God. God, that is not true. I was married for 20 years, everyone. Yes, Loyal were. wife for 20 but, years. But we were talking, I don't know what, how we got in the conversation, but we were talking about, you know, the, the, the breaks we'd had between relationships. Yes, I was talking about how long it took me to Careful. embark on oh, okay. being, being, uh, dating mm, after yeah. my marriage had collapsed. And, and, how and, long, and, and, and you said, oh, well, I, you're kidding me that you were... Um, uh, you can't go that long without sex. Yes, you called... What was it? What's the word? Oh, my God. When you're... Easy? Um, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> when you're not having sex. When you're celibate. celibate. And you said, well, come on. You can't tell me that you were celibate for that amount of time. And I said, yes, I was. And then I made that... Comment. It was a journey of self-discovery. Yes. <laughs> I hope what? every woman has had that opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to I, do yeah, it. It's 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 a wonderful euphemism. Yes. But it also is, and you tell me because I I don't know, and audience members who are listening, uh, female, tell me, is is the journey of self-discovery <laughs> less taboo? now than it used to be or is it less taboo to talk about like do you and your girlfriends you and moira and Corey, do you ever do you ever talk about your journey of self-discovery sit, um no we don't normally sit around and talk about Even our, in, a, in, a, in a big picture kind of way no actually no is it something that you consider to be naughty oh my god no 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 not at all i hope no women do because I, th- I think that's part of we, we we I hope that we're moving forward s- slowly in our perceptions of those kinds of things that it's no longer something uh, good girls don't do. 
You know oh I mean? yes, I hope not. That used to be the 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 case that good girls didn't yeah didn't, didn't really go for that yeah because a lot of a lot you see this um, on a regular basis women talking about how so many of them um, don't orgasm don't know how no uh, who have never done self-discovery yes and the full experience of it like the full experience because there's so many because i know we're very lucky and you always say it's god god's punishment on men that that because women can have many different forms and many different levels of that that heightened feel i mean you you can be it can be huge or it can be just a little bit which is still nice but now you need to discover the whole spectrum the first time i don't remember the first time a woman told me that it might it might have been in college and i was like what yeah, like I only have one. Exactly. One How time. many do you have? Not only- oh, I have like six or eight. <laughs> That's right. What? And poor guys. You poor things. We have to do all that work and Don't then you, you get- guys get multiple orgasms. We do. That's well, hopefully fair. we do because the thing is it doesn't happen for all women. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you have, and I believe your journey of self-discovery or all of that exploration helps you know mm. what you need. Yep. To get there and to be open with your lover or husband, uh, to and t- uh, to be proud of it and and excited by it and and empowered by it. I wonder if the internet is helping young women get to that place sooner because because the, the old the old line used to be or, or the old stereotype used to be that it was older women who discovered this over time. And once they were in their 40s and 50s, those were great because they knew what they wanted and they knew exactly how to get it and that kind of thing. I wonder if the internet, because now you can look it up on YouTube or Wikipedia or whatever it might be, that A, these these are okay things to do. These are not dirty. These are these are perfectly normal, natural feelings to have. And you can look up technique and toys and, and buy sex toys. You don't going to go into a shop to do it. You can go to I mean, Amazon.com. Mm. You would not believe the sex toys that are on Amazon.com. Mm. That you can have delivered in a brown paper wrapper to your house. Mm. I, th- I hope the internet, we were talking to Scott Thrift was saying, you know, the, the, the internet is full of pervs now. But it's also hopefully helping people with their sexuality, with different spectrums of sexuality yes. all the way from completely asexual to very very sexual i think that's happening in general as a society we're all doing I, that I, but i think with information helps i think the information um transference of the internet helps even more that people can learn about this stuff in the privacy of their own home and learn that it's not a bad thing and and learn that um techniques and different ways of doing things and that women can do this and this is what men do and, and that kind of stuff. I think it's self-discovery. I'm a manual girl. I don't need tools. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know, don't think that you always oh, need all the tools. You know, it's not a matter of purchase. It's a matter of exploration. Then decide whether you might need a tool. You, there's, no, there's three things that uh, Melissa has said that have cracked me up this oh. week. Um, you said at one point, do rich people change diapers? <laughs> yes, I wondered if. Well, I think Kate Middleton changes diapers. And you said, no, 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 no. no. And I disagree. I think that Lady Princess Diana would have changed a diaper. No, I disagree. I disagree completely. Uh, you have people. If you're at that level, if if you are that, air quotes, important, you're not going to waste your time changing diapers. But that means that you're lifting your child up and going, nanny, nanny, come and deal with this. And I just don't think that those women would necessarily always do that. As a mother, you should do it. Can we agree Prince Charles has never changed a nappy? Oh, Prince Charles, I don't think he has, no. William? Henry? Um, Prince William? Prince William. Yes, I think he has. I really do. I don't think so. I don't think at that kind of... Level again of air quotes importance. There, they have staff. They have staff that do, that that do this for but you. You don't want to have the nanny hanging around all the, the time. Nanny, I, I guarantee, na- guarantee you, the nanny's within like in the room. Ninety-five percent of the time, I'd say yes. That's what nannies are for. They're for watching over the kids. So, if your nanny, you send your nanny off on a break, and you're 
feeding your little newborn and the newborn has an explosion, you wait for the nanny to come off a break? The backup nanny shows up. Oh, the backup nanny. You don't think they have more than one nanny yes, in, in, in but the Buckingham Palace? I just find it, it's that disgusting that you don't even think that Kate Middleton would have changed no, her no, baby's no, diaper. No, I don't think it's disgusting at all. I think that's the nanny's job. Remember, we're talking about, in this regard, Britain, a class system, a class society. Yes. It's not the job of Kate Middleton to change nappies. It's the job of the nanny. You don't do the nanny's job. It's like the nanny doesn't do your job. You don't do the nanny's job. Okay. Because if you do it, what, what use is the nanny? So all the Kardashians change diapers. Now, that's different. And this is where things get, get interesting. When we just talk about simply rich people, yes, yeah. if you were rich and rich from birth, yes, and you grew up in a, a society that had nannies and had butlers and, and that kind of stuff, yeah, would you would you change Damon and Rory's diapers? Well, I hadn't. It wouldn't have been modeled to me as a thing that happens that you would do. So it's hard to say. Uh, because then there's the idea uh, of if you become rich. You're an, an, oh, you're an nouveau riche. You're an internet and, millionaire. Mm. You know, you've just you've just invented the latest thing, and then you get married and you have kids. You live in a big house in Silicon Valley. You do have a nanny because you're busy. Your wife's busy, and it's just helpful. No, I would still change diapers. I'm not very good at that. At having that that serving the, be, me being served on mentality. It's like when when I was in India, I got out of the rickshaw because I was worried that my <laughs> rickshaw driver was getting tired. Are you are you okay? No, really, no, really. I, it's we're really heavy. This is a hill. We're gonna get out, and we'll just you know like. I, I couldn't, and he would be so upset. He would get upset with me because it's like, no, no, like I'm. I, uh, That's his job. I know. <laughs> it's the same with the nanny. The nanny would get upset. Why are you changing the diaper? Because if if you change the diaper, the nanny doesn't have a job. If you don't ride the rickshaw, he doesn't have a job. <laughs> I just and I'm not into having servants around me all the time. I don't want to have the nanny hanging around. I'll ring the bell for the nanny. I guess. I I. <laughs> Because of, I think, my background, black, poor, if I suddenly got stinking rich and I had children, I, I don't even know that I would have a nanny. Yeah. I think, I, I, I can't imagine, I've seen it uh, living near New York, I've gone to those places where I've seen the little cute little babies, little beautiful blue-eyed blonde babies being pushed by Filipinos. I know. You know, and you know that's the maid nanny kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. It's in Vancouver, Vancouver everywhere. Vancouver, exactly. So I don't think I do that. I, I, you maybe, and having, you know, when I used to work for Save on Foods as grocery deliveries, we deliver groceries all the time to, and you're in this big, beautiful home, yeah, knocking yeah. the door, and little tiny Filipino and girl little comes and- and, and these little white babies come running out to grab the food. Yep. You know I used to be I used to be doing therapy in those homes. I used to be teaching the nannies a lot how to do the therapy. I bet you David Beckham has changed diaper. I bet you Victoria and David Beckham, as beautiful as they are, as rich as they are, as as stunningly glamorous as they are, I bet you they changed their kids' diapers. I think both of them came from um, low income. So, yeah, I think that they would. Yeah. I think they would. And I can see them doing it, and they're still gorgeous and glamorous, and it doesn't matter. I can see having a nanny when you are busy at work, like these people. I mean, they, they, it's, it's, is it better to have a nanny come into your home and watch your two kids, or is it better to take those two kids to a daycare center and have them play at a daycare center? You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. That's all daycare center is. Mm-hmm. It's an external yeah, yeah. nanny. Yeah, yeah, except your children. As long as you're willing to have your children around a whole bunch of other kids who are probably maybe get sick and all, you know what I mean, there's that. But that being said, wouldn't it be great to come home from your job, which is maybe stressful, but it's not hard. You're pushing papers, you're, you're, you're doing the computer stuff. And there is your nanny who is taking care of your kids. Your kids love the nanny. Mm-hmm. There is food on the table. Mm-hmm. They've been fed. There is delicious food on the table, mm-hmm. and your nanny goes, the kids were great today. Mm-hmm. Little Susie it might have a bit of a cold, blah, blah, mm-hmm. see you tomorrow kind of thing. Or, I was a nanny. Or the nanny goes off to her room. and Yeah, that's what I did. I was a nanny. I loved the children that I nannied. 
But my mum that I worked for, who was my age actually, she had two children and she was my age, um, she still changed diapers and did all that stuff. She just had me. Here's your depressing thought of the day. Oh. Jeff Bezos' salary is more than 140 times that of the average employee at Amazon. Yeah, well, he's just kind of He's reportedly worth $156 billion. So he's worth that. Is that accessible to him? If he sells stock and property and that kind of stuff, sure. Mm. Well, that's just gross. It is offensive. It is... Shouldn't be allowed. This is the socialist in me talking. You, no one needs one hundred and fifty-six no point eight billion dollars. No I could write him a dozen letters, just asking for a little bit that will make a difference yep. to so many lives. Yep. Can we just please have this? It'll only cost you five thousand dollars. There was a story um, from Bloomberg last week. Uh, billionaires are having trouble giving away their money fast enough. Oh, fuck you. Oh. Uh, fuck uh, you. How so? Where? Because where? they're making so much money on the stock market, oh. they can't give it away fast enough. Oh. You know what? If you can't give it away fast enough, you're not trying hard enough. Mm. Be, because the, the, the issue is these billionaires are being very particular about who to give their money to. Oh. For any number of reasons. But guess what? <laughs> if you want to give, because Warren Buffett was the example they were using, and Tim Cook and Bill and Melinda Gates have all said they're going to give away their fortune. Yes. Now, if I'm one of the little gate children, I'm going, screw you, Dad. But <laughs> They but don't get any? They won't get, get they'll, any? They'll, 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 get they'll be fine. They'll, they won't get billions. Um, Warren Buffett has said that uh, 10 years after he's gone, he wants 80% of his wealth to be dispersed. None of it will go in, in ongoing trusts. It's all okay. going to be given away in lump sums to, to people. Great. Fantastic. Okay. But he can't, suppose he can't give it away fast enough. And that's because <sighs> he's being very particular about who, who he gives it to. Okay. Because you could just say, everyone send me an email and I'll give you the money. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you want it Tell for. Tell me what just, you want. Every, every, no, and it's not even people. Every nonprofit organization yeah. in America. Yeah. Send me what you, and I'll give you money. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he could give it away fast he enough. Could. He could. He must be asking for lots of justification and Possibly. paperwork Possibly. and things like that. Oops. How can I tell my family I've been lying to them about going to college for the past four years? Oh, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> I pretended Whoa. to be going to college for almost four years when actually I dropped out my freshman year. Oh, my God. I've been working as a temp since then, living off campus. My family doesn't know since I faked my grades, account statements, everything. I've used the money they've been giving me to help me afford room and board. I know I'm going to have to come clean soon since they expect me to graduate. <laughs> When's your graduation, with an honey? engineering degree. I just don't know how to do this. They're going to freak out. They're immigrants, and me going to college was their dream. I'm actually thinking of just disappearing for a while and telling them by letter. Oh I know it's the coward's way out, but I could come back when it's all blown over, and they'll probably be so relieved that I'm back in touch that won't disown me. <laughs> Is there a better way to handle this so that I won't also get me disowned? You that deceit has gone way too far. You look at the problem that has been created. No, you don't disappear. Now that you've been a coward for four years, you man up. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Woman up or man up. And you just bloody tell them that's awful. Living a lie for four years. You gutless coward. It's just Terrible. Is this the way you're going to live your life? Yeah, that's right. Lying to people who love you, mm, who care years. about you, who give who have given you money. Mm-hmm. Your parents are immigrants. Mm-hmm. So let's assume they're the typical hardworking Hard immigrants. Hardworking, yeah. Let's you- take this to to the silly degree that the, your parents are South Korean immigrants. They've opened up a st- corner store. Yeah, yeah, work. Seven cost- days a week. Seven days a week. 16 hours a day. Oh, my God. So you're... Gutless ass can go to coward, uh, go to college and get an engineering degree, <laughs> and this is how you repay them. This is terrible. What you repay them not only by not going to college, but by spending the money mm. they gave you. And they do any temp work, so it's not even full time work. Do you think your mom and dad would like to have that money so they could go back to Korea and visit family, mm. or so they could hire someone else at the job so they don't got to work? You know, obviously, I'm extrapolating all yes, this stuff. Yes, yes, but... But still. 
You gutless weasel. Mm. As you said, man up, because you know this is a guy, because women don't do this. <laughs> man up, sit down with mom and dad, and just apologize. If they disown you, so what? You deserve to get disowned yep. for doing this to your parents. Yep. You coward. That awful. Even That's to just actually admit it blows Worst away. thing. Oh, my God. I read that when, if you were my son, what would you do if this was your kid? Oh, I'd be livid. I'd be livid. No. I'd, I, 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 it would take me a while. Yeah. I'd have to say, you go away until I figure out what we're going to do with you. And you have to pay the money back or something. Three years ago, our then two-year-old daughter was in an accident while visiting my family for the first time without us, which resulted in her losing two fingers. Her father and I went through a very rough patch as a couple due to the fact that he was against her going in the first place, but we got through it. Fast forward to now. My mom, who moved out of state recently, is coming to visit and asked if our daughter could come to visit while she is there. Due to a scheduling conflict, neither of us will be able to go with our daughter. I'm sorry. So is this the mother that the child was with previously? Yes. And how old is the child now? Uh, five. Well, the thing is, what do you do? Do you go through life protecting this child and now be going to become a little girl going to become a tween and then a teen I mean you can't protect her from every possible um, little accident my mom she- has asked several times since the accident but I've always gently shut her down out of respect for my partner because he still feels the same as he did oh, three years ago Oh, I feel terrible but she hasn't really gotten the hint that's a contentious issue and she just keeps asking you know why she hasn't gotten the hint because you haven't told her just yeah, just don't say hint. we're not. Sh- yeah, I mean, and I don't know what this. It's hard when you don't know the circumstances of what happened. I am now at a place where I'm reasonably comfortable with our daughter visiting without us being there, but he is not. It's causing conflict. Oh dear. What should I do? My stress level is really high because I want to please both of them. I don't think I can. Well, no, well, obviously she, you can't. She can't. No, she's she can't. She's got to be open with her mum and say, you know what, my partner's not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. Maybe she's not. See now, that I wouldn't do. I would say we are not comfortable. I, I firmly believe, and this is applicable in yours and, yours and mine relationship. You've got to be together. I yeah. firmly believe you've got to be together on this yes. stuff. Yeah. And it's your mom. I'm the husband. And I'm saying, no, our daughter is not going to go with that person again all on her own. She's only five. It's not like she's 12. No, she's only five. It's only happened three years ago. Our poor daughter has is missing two fingers. Maybe maybe even the baby is okay with going with grandma. I don't care. I'm not comfortable with it. So you have to tell your mom, we are not comfortable. I'm, right. so, I'm sorry, mom. No, it's not going to work out this time around. Next time. Yeah, maybe when she's older. Maybe when she's older, yeah, but, but right but now, now we are not comfortable letting this happen. I wonder what happened. Yeah, no kidding. That's, but that's Because accidents that do happen. I'm, sure I'm not justifying what, but I don't know, but... Accidents happen, you know. But I think that if it was just just an accident, accident kind of thing, maybe the husband would get over it. It sounds like hus- hubby isn't getting over it because it wasn't just it's an seen accident. as negligence yeah, on, exactly. the, on the grandmother's exactly. part. Exactly. You know, um, uh, the baby got a hold of uh, uh, gardening shears. You know what I mean? Ooh, that makes me. That's just cruel. That kind. That kind of stuff above and beyond. Or her fingers got slammed in something, in door, maybe yeah. really See, irreparably. Now, that, now that's in an a car accident. door. Yeah, that's like, an accident. That's an accident. That I could forgive. Yeah. So it depends on. But regardless of whether it depends on, he is not comfortable, and yeah. therefore you and he have to be a, a solid front true to mom and say mom we we're not comfortable not, right right yeah oh dear poor little one it's just awful i know this is a bizarre question i just woke up from an incredibly vivid dream in which a fortune teller told me that one of my favorite best employees was going to die on september 25th 2024 mm. i'm not sure i even believe in psychic dreams but <laughs> it felt so vivid and certain that were this just a friend or someone I work closely with, I would tell them about my dream. But when I considered telling my employee about it, it just kind of I just kind of imagined that they would then write you, dear dear Abby, my boss just low key threatened my life. <laughs> I shouldn't tell my employee, right? I do actually kind of want to warn him. Oh no! 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 No!
No, 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 no. That's just no. Silly. You have somebody confused and then fearing for their life and for the fearing, next six years. Exactly. <laughs> How many years have I got left? That's right. Freaking so, out the 2015, 2024. 2024. For the next six years of their life, you oh, asshole. Yes. No, no, you just live silly. And if they do, they do. Yeah, but at least I haven't lived in fear up until exactly. that point. So they get hit by a bus on because, that morning. Because he doesn't say what happened on September 25th, 2024. Right. If he could say it was it was a plane. I saw you die yeah. in a plane crash. Yeah. Then you could say, oh, I'm not getting on a goddamn plane. <laughs> <laughs> For all of 2024, in case you got the date wrong. Oh, my You know, God. I'm just not getting on a plane. But yeah, this no, is not, no. this is just an employee. No. This is not a family member. Even if it was a family. Even was- if I woke up next to you. <laughs> And I would just go, I had an awful dream. What was it about, sweetheart? Oh, nothing. Just, that's right, just, that's awful. right. Yeah. I wouldn't put that fear oh into Oh, my you. God, no. Don't Goodness be, How me. could you even think about telling someone? I, well, what do you do? Come, come into my office, please. I have something very important to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, 67 years old, and I, 73 years old, have worked and saved long and hard so we can enjoy business class travel in our retirement. Lovely. One of the benefits of business class is being able to spend long layovers in the airline's lounge rather than a crowded concourse. Lovely. Another couple recently decided to join us on a trip to Europe. Even though they have more money than we do, they're so cheap they won't even buy an upgraded economy class ticket. Oh. Now my wife says we should not use the business class lounge privileges because our companions are so cheap. We've all agreed that we don't need to be joined at the hip on this trip, so why do I need to babysit them in a crowded airport when I paid good money to use the lounge? Screw that, I'm going in the lounge. <laughs> Fucking right. <laughs> see you on the plane. Are, see yeah. on the beach when we get are there. Are you shitting me? <laughs> no way. Oh my God, are you kidding me? No, no. Air no. travel sucks so hard right now. No, no, yeah, yeah. No, there is go- the, if you're too cheap, yeah. and you know what? Business class, they think I'm more money than he does. Uh. Business. You can get into a business class lounge for 50 bucks for the day. <clears throat> right. right. So when I was flying back home from uh, Australia last year and I was stuck at, for nine hours in Hong Kong, <laughs> I could have paid 50 bucks for the business class lounge and gone in there and gotten food and coffee, but I'm too cheap to do that. So for me, that's okay. But if you have money. Oh, no, you go. You do it. Oh my God, if I could fly like that, and if, oh, absolutely, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And if my friends couldn't, I'd be like, well, see you later. See you, <laughs> see, I'll see you on the plane. <laughs> Back in uh, sometime in the early 2000s, you, some of you may have seen this. Robin Williams did a, the, the, the comedian, did a live on Broadway special. It was actually called Live on Broadway. And we were going to be in New York City for uh, Macworld Expo. At that exact same time, that same week. And Robin Williams is my favorite comedian. And I said, I'm going to see Robin Williams live on freaking Broadway. It was, it was going to be taped for HBO, so this is going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sly and my friend Steve and his wife Pam all wanted to go with me. And I said, um, well, the tickets are 50 bucks for the balcony or 200 for like front row. And they were like, well, we can't afford front row. I was like, okay, see ya. I, I literally, I got oh. one front row ticket for me. <laughs> so you sat down there. Yes. And they sat up in the chair. They saw row. me. They, they saw my bald head. They sort of waved at me. Like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. No. If it's that important, I'm, I'll see you after the. I'll see yeah, you. That's okay. I'll see you at intermission. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what happened. I said, here's the spot, and I'll meet you at intermission. And at intermission, we came outside. Ah. Uh, well, that's okay. I think exactly. That's okay. No, yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I'm not going to say you're awful. Why? No, that wouldn't, no, come on. That wouldn't be awful, would it? No. No, no, no. Why don't men realize that shaking hands is disgusting? I read this and thought to myself, wow, you got issues, sweetheart. A man who extends his hand demanding a handshake is presumptuous and arrogant. Handshaking is unsanitary and disgusting, in my opinion. Any gentleman with any intelligence should know how abhorrent it is to most ladies, especially repulsive or workmen who have dirty hands or workers in a position of servitude. They seem to have the opinion that they are offering a gesture of friendliness 
rather than committing an act generally rebuffed in contempt of such poor manners. To express my displeasure, I withdraw away from the ignoramus and will retaliate by not doing business with them. Gentlemen should know better than to extend their hand to a lady. Please print my letters so that people who have this gross habit might understand it is not met with approval they seem to expect. They do themselves a grave disfavor in most instances. Being a later, being a lady, I'm an devout hater of handshakes. <laughs> this woman got some issues. Yeah. She got some issues. I always shake. I often shake people's hands. Nothing disgusting or, about shaking uh, hands. No, I mean, doesn't. I mean, washing your hands regularly throughout the day is a very good habit to get into. I'm not going to say that. I mean, if she has issues with, if she's a germaphobe. This does not but, sound like a germaphobe. This sounds like someone who has class issues. Right. But you are lower class than me. Therefore, you should not even speak to me, let alone touch me. Oh. This is what, that, this, is what this letter a feels little, like. A little bit, like if, if you're a workman or exactly, anything yeah, like that. Exactly. Or, a, or a, uh, a workers in a position of servitude. Yes. Servitude? Wow. No, I... That word right there is a big old red flag. Yeah. I don't like that. I mean, I... I'm not like that at all, so it's hard for me to relate to if, to someone like that. If I'm at a garage and someone introduces me to the mechanic and he reaches his hand up going I'd like laugh and going, you know, your hand your hand is dirty. Yeah, you can do that. I would but, I would just say now there again once as this kind of cultural thing always fascinates me that because I am who I am, six three, two sixty, a big guy, fairly confident. I have no problem laughing at your dirty hand. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe a woman wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think a mechanic's going to extend his hand if he's been working no, hard. I don't no, think so no, no. Most people know. Most people go, you know, I'd shake your hand, but I've been, you know, in the muck. <clears throat> but gentlemen should know better than to extend their hand to a lady. No. No, oh, I disagree with that. I think it's. I think it's. I mean, I know between men and men, it's an important thing. It, it's there's been a lot of onus put on handshaking between men and men. But I think in Western society, a handshake is uh, uh, an opening in business. That's yes. how you greet each other in business. If someone introduces me, if when you've introduced me to your female friends, Cora and and uh, Corey and and Moira and the, I've shaken their hands. Yes. you don't give them a grip that. No, it's breaks, just breaks. a touch a, a to little, say, you know, it's lovely to meet yeah. you. No, I, I do that all the time. Yeah. So yeah, this, I I, th I think this this woman is. Uh, oh, it'd be so burdensome to be a person that analyzes all of this kind of thing and has a judgment on it. I think sometimes it's it's a whole lot easier. Um, if you take our philosophy about it of just being telling the truth, I'm not going to beat her on the bush, lady. You feel a little classist, if not racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no problem with hoity-toity. Very hoity-toity. <laughs> at, at the absolute, at the absolute very least. If we meet her, I want you to get grubby and shake her hand, right, no sweetheart. Kidding. My husband and I at an impasse. Just that sentence, when I read the rest of this, you'll think these people will be divorced inside five years. Oh. My husband and I are at an impasse, and I need an honest opinion. He was coring a tomato over the trash can, and I replied that we should eat the core as well. He replied that if I wanted it, I could dig it out of the trash and suck on it all I wanted. Oh. I took great offense to this, but he maintained that it was a joke, stating that he said nothing offensive. I am disgusted that he would even think much less state what he did. Opinion, please. So I'm sorry. They're going to be divorced in five it years. It was a tomato? Yes. He cored a tomato over the garbage. The, garbage. the core fell in. She suggested, why are you throwing the core away? I've never, I've never cored a tomato in my life. I, have don't, I never would core a tomato, but anyhow. But anyhow. So he said, if you want it, you get it out of the garbage and suck on it all you'd like. Well... You if but if you said that to me, I know you would be teasing me. If anyone said it to you, you'd think they'd be teasing. Yeah, I know that. Um, I am just your speaking, default position should be I, your, I, your your significant other is teasing you. Yes, but I'm just speaking in my marriage. I would know you were teasing me. You know, so I wouldn't put so much emphasis on that. No kidding, because I would know. Oh, he's just teasing me. How could this? A, create an impasse. <laughs> That's a serious-ass word. There's going to be a lot of impasses. 
how could it create an impasse? How could you be disgusted by him? And how could you write a, a letter to an email, to a, a vice columnist over something that is so small it's, and petty and I insignificant? I know, I know. They will be divorced inside five years. I think they might. Because yeah. if this is the kind of thing that causes trouble in your relationship, holy shit, you guys are in trouble. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> that can really create issues in your relationship. A lot. Hmm. You have to let a lot of stuff go. Well, she, that, well, I mean, it's an easy thing to sit and talk about. It's like, what? What do you mean you take it out of the garbage? I mean, and he could just, they could clear it up in that moment. But to actually write a letter. I think, and correct me if, if you disagree with me on this, that, your, as I said, your default position should be that your partner is always having fun with you. Sometimes it'll be at your expense. But they're always trying to have fun being with you, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And if they say something that you found off-putting, look at it again and go, was he joking about that? He was probably joking yes, about that. Yes, like don't misinterpret it. And if you're not sure, you could say, I'm sorry, Twitter, were you joking about that? Yeah. And he would go, oh, sweetie, yes, of course I was. Yeah, yeah, I'm teasing I'm you. I'm teasing you. Yes. you know, and I... I say this because I am an incorrigible tease incorrigible. of my of my poor, sweet, long suffering <laughs> wife. Like I'm constantly on my toes. Because I tease you unmercifully. Relentlessly. All the time. Yes. All the time. Yes. And you still go, uh-huh. No, I'm kidding. I well sometimes like Sean has said to me. If it's mean or negative or nasty, you know it's a tease. <laughs> so my line's always: if there's two ways to take the thing I said, take it the best possible take it way. The best possible way, and and I realize I realize that. But sometimes it depends on the day and how you're doing and how much you have been teased from the moment that you woke <laughs> up in the morning. Oh my god! Like I'm st- it's nine hours later and he's still teasing me. And I don't know if he's really meant it or not. I'm tired. But no, that's she, true. It's that's true. Absolutely and true. sometimes your guard is down, and you're just like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> you're not sure. But this, this should have been sorted out between them in that moment. Yeah. This is not something that should cause an impasse. No, between married people. No, this should barely cause an impasse. Unless he was serious. In which case, saying, you still have issues. Yeah, you'll still you're still getting divorced yeah. inside. Five years. Like get out of the he, garbage and suck on it, girl. Exactly. You know. You know if he was that if that was his attitude, if that was his tone. Yeah, you're still gonna be divorced. That's in five nasty. Years. Yes. They're just so, nasty and mm. pointlessly cruel. <laughs> I went to my local bank to cash a check. What, what what does that mean? You go. You take a check. What's a check? <laughs> oh, silly. When's the last time you wrote a check? Um, at the high school. The oh, other day. just the other day. Yeah. They didn't take a. Interact or bank payment also got. Um, I was going to a school. I was taking checks, and there was a pile of checks on the table. I couldn't tell you. You know what? Oh, I do know. The last time I wrote a check would have been my last rent check. So more than a year ago, back in Maple Ridge. Oh they, yes, I really. But prior to that, ooh, I don't remember the last time. I'd have to look in the checkbook. It was very funny when, when I lived in the states. I, I was surprised how often you saw people writing checks for groceries. Yeah. Oh. Mostly seniors. It was definitely mostly old, older folks. But it was always a matter of, you know, you, um, you, you find the checkout and there's a lady there who's just finishing up. So you start putting your stuff out on the, the, um, the, the conveyor belt. And you look up and you go, oh, fuck, she got her checkbook out. Yeah, this is going to take 20 minutes because they got to check it. And they need ID. And oh. the manager has to come and check the, the, the oh, check. Oh, I didn't and, realize oh, it was such a big deal. It's a giant pain in the ass. Oh, Went to my local bank to cash a check. The teller was new and seemed like a nice lady. She asked for my ID. It's bank policy. I gave it to her gladly, and we exchanged small talk over customers who get angry about the ID requirement. My bank, Bank of America in Nashville, uh, and this was, Christ, now it's 15 years ago. Shortly after I got there, they instituted a policy, which I thought was great, where they, they took your picture and put your picture on your bank card on your, your on your credit card okay more security that way uh-huh. i still remember going and this was fairly new i still remember going up to a store and giving them my my credit card and then i'm gonna need some id what do you mean <laughs> i need some i need some id to go with the credit card 
dude, my picture's on it. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, but how? they still needed separate ID, right? Because that was company policy. Because that's the policy, and, and we and, can't go you know, against you, policy. Exactly, couldn't wrap his brain around that. Yeah. Um, uh, customers get angry about the ID card. Then she leaned toward me and said in a quiet voice, "It's mostly the Jews who get mad." <gasps> oh dear. Oh. I am Jewish, but don't have a so-called Jewish-sounding name. I didn't say anything, but it's really struck me. Should I go to her boss or hope she says something similar to someone who will speak up? Wow. Okay, so, yeah, no, that lady should not be saying that. I'm sorry. That's wrong, I I think. Yes, um, it is wrong, but should this customer... Should I go to her boss or hope she says something similar to someone else? No, she should say something to her boss or or, or something. You don't wait. I mean, it said it to her, so it's her responsibility if she's uncomfortable with it to say something about it, not leave it up to someone else. She said, um, I didn't say anything, but it really, really struck me. First of all, that is, there's part of the problem is us not standing up for things in the moment. Well, you're saying she could, should have said, well, I am Jewish, actually, and I no. find offense to that. Is that no, like- no, she didn't have to say that. You just say, that's offensive. doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not. That's offensive regardless of whether you're Jewish yes, or not. Yes, it is, but she, it, it gives it more of an impact if she says, you know what, well, I'm Jewish, and whether I am or not, that's very offensive. For me, someone says that to me, I say, may I speak to your manager? Oh, certainly. Manager goes over and I'll say to this person, just tell your manager what you just told me. About Jewish names. And then if I have to, I'll speak to the manager. I want the woman fired. Mm. I don't want her working, period. Mm. I want her destitute and in the streets. At a counter with people ongoing all day long. Yeah, we don't know what she says, do we? I don't care what she says. I don't care. I, I know she believes this thing. And whether she believes in it deeply, whether she believes in it lightly, especially nowadays, with the position that we're in, in our society, driven forward... Not caused by, but certainly driven forward mm-hmm. by the President of the United States, mm-hmm. we all must stand up against this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Very we true. can't let this happen. We can't let these sorts of things go by till you get home in front of your computer and write a letter to an advice columnist because the impact is now lost. Right. It's lost on the it's boss. Diluted. It's diluted. Now it's been X number of weeks later. You can't go back to the bank and say, oh, by the way, three weeks ago, this employee said this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'll speak to her. And the, bo- and the manager is going to go, Bleh. And mm. no, you should not wait for someone else to speak up. Mm. Because if we all do that, no one ever speaks up. Mm-hmm, and it just keeps going on and on. When you are a member of a society, of a culture, of a, a citizen or non-citizen, when you are part of a community, we are all responsible for our parts in the community. I don't mean policing the community, although maybe this is what this sounds like. It is incumbent on all of us to make sure that the community is represented properly and that you are being part of the community. And saying bullshit, bigoted statements like this is not being part of the community I want to be a part of. Mm. I don't want you part of my community. I don't want you in my bank. I don't want you in my coffee shop. I don't want you anywhere near me. You are a awful person mm-hmm. and maybe I'm coming on too strong with this but I come from a point of view of a minority of someone who has seen this stuff go on I remember as much as I enjoyed living in Nashville there were many occasions when we would be sitting around with strangers usually because it was a biker groups that I was hanging out with it was never my any of my friends because I wouldn't have friends that would do this but there were there were several times when I, I remember distinctly sitting in a, air quotes, biker bar, and some folks start telling nigger jokes hmm. because there weren't any niggers in the bar. Mm. Hey, did you hear the one about the... Mm. And I would say, guys, I'm not comfortable with those kinds of jokes. Mm. Are you a nigger lover? No, I'm actually a nigger. That was a great line. Mm. I, I loved using that line. Mm. It also had my friends go, dude, you trying to get us killed? Because mm-hmm. we, we were never in a Hell's Angels biker bar, 
But we, we, you, we, there'd be times when we were being some sketchy bars in Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee, you know, someplace where you said the wrong thing. If you're lucky, they only beat the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're unlucky, they found your body in a holler somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I would say that, you know, you know I, first thing I would say is, guys, I'm, I'm not comfortable with those yeah, kinds, of, yeah. kinds of jokes. And if someone came back with the line, that was usually the line. Well, what are you, a nigger lover? No, I'm just a nigger. And so they would stop, right? First of all, they would go, what? Because I don't look black. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, my mom's black, so I'm I'm half black. And most of the, t- the, the four or five times it happened, I'd say three times, it was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any offense by it. Okay. And I really wanted to say something of, yeah, you did, but... I I wasn't going to push my luck on it, mm. but I'd always I always left. Oh, did you? Oh yeah, no, I wasn't going to hang around because I wasn't, didn't want to get my ass kicked. First of all, but it was also to make a statement too. Was that you know you've made me leave this place? So, mm. Mm. but yeah, for for from my point of view, and again, that's the other aspect of this is that I'm big. And I'm mm-hmm. I have no problem saying things to people. Mm-hmm. We were we, Melissa, I, and Rory were went over to the uh, Vancouver a, few, a couple of weeks ago, and we're parked at the ferry terminal, and this woman, perfectly pleasant looking middle aged woman, mm-hmm. pulls up next to us in the ferry lineup. She it's a warm summer's day. It's a beautiful day. She has all four of her car's windows rolled down, and she's blasting music. Well, not she was blasting rap, but still, she was blasting music mm-hmm. that the three of us had to raise our voice to get up over top of. And it wasn't good music. Even if it was good music, even if it was music I liked. You just, you just don't do you that. You just don't do that. Mm-hmm. I think you said something. And I, and I remember it thinking, okay, I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to embarrass my, my wife. I don't want to embarrass my son um, by, by causing or creating a scene. But you said something, and I said, do you want me to go make her turn it down? And you went, would you do that? And I get out of the car. And I walked over to the woman. Very pleasantly. Intentionally scared her. I <laughs> snuck up around <laughs> behind her. I said, excuse me. And she sort of jumped. Would you mind rolling your windows up or turning your music down? Thank mm-hmm. you very much. And I turned and walked away. Uh-huh. And she did. She turned yep, her she, she turned. turned music down. She did. Yes, she did. But I have no problem doing that because I'm me. Now, maybe someone else would have a problem confronting oh, definitely. someone in that situation. Definitely. Because for me, the other thing is, I've already got the script in my head of what to say if you get rude. Because my default position is to be pleasant, to ask you nicely, to say please, mm-hmm. but to be completely ready that if you turn into an asshole, I'm going to be a bigger asshole. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you will not asshole me. No, you can't out-asshole Sean, I don't think. <laughs> I'd be the nicest guy in the world, but I'm already ready for you being an asshole. Right. And I will jump down your throat and tear your heart out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you come back at me with any kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. We were on the ferry this last time when we walked on, and there was these two little kids, and they had a, a, a stick with a magnet on the end of the stick. Trying to vandalize and steal. They were trying, they were trying to stick the, the little magnetic stick up into the vending machines to steal money from yeah, it. yeah. Never heard of such a thing. And and they're doing it in plain sight. It was not like they were being secretive about no, it. No, it was busy on the ferry. There was 30, 40 people sit, sitting around that spot. And mm-hmm. These two kids are doing this. I said, hey, hey. And these two kids looked at me going, because I'd seen um, a crew member go by and tell them to stop doing that. Oh, already. all right. See, I was reading my book. I didn't see any of this. I said, hey, the crew members already told you kids to stop doing that. Now get out of here with that thing. Mm. They gave me a look and I went, don't eyeball me, boy. <laughs> So off they ran, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> I was ready with the line. You know, I was ready. Yeah. To, Don't eyeball me, boy. Yeah. So they'd already me. been told. Yeah, they'd already no. been told. Buggers. Mm. No, you're, yes, you're good. You're very assertive and I'm not. But also polite the first time. Yes, you're very good at if that. If you react back with politeness, mm-hmm. I will be, be polite. Because she, mm-hmm. she said, I said, would you mind you know, rolling your windows up or mm-hmm. turning your music mm-hmm. down? Thank you very mm-hmm. much. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I walked away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rory slunk down in the back seat. 
<laughs> he gets very embarrassed he easily. Does. He which does. Which is nice, 12. If I laugh in public, he gets embarrassed. My mother would do things, mental picture of my mom, six foot one, 200 pounds, black and cranky. And my mother would comment on your clothes. N- not me, strangers. So. We'd be standing in a bus lineup waiting for the bus. And someone would walk by and my mother would go, girl, that po- those polka dots don't work for you. The thing is, though, is that if that is the comment, a woman's going to go, no, like, really? Or or be offended, but take it to heart big time and never wear polka dots again. My mom says, don't you have a mirror? Oh, 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 oh. She was nasty. It was embarrassing. So the things that you do are nothing compared to what my mom, the embarrassment my mom will put us through. Oh, yeah, no, no, I would never. I would. I don't do anything deliberate to embarrass my no. children. They well, just get. I, I would. That's. I think that's half the fun of having kids, isn't it? Yes, you would. That, yes, you do. Isn't that part of the point of having children? <laughs> to embarrass. To them? embarrass them. No. What are you planning for the rest of our day? We're going to go to the. We have a massive pile of green waste to take up to the. We are. Fall cleaning is not yet fall here, but we we are spending a good amount of time and sweat in cleaning up our little little yard. We're getting our yard all cleaned up and yeah, um, we're getting there. We have a huge pile of wood that's yes. going to have to. My son's going to have to help us with that. We have a and lot then of work we'll to do. Go for a nice walk and come home. I'm not walking. You and Rory can go for a walk. I ain't walking nowhere. What are you going to do? Sit in the car on your phone. We sit in the car. No, we're going directly from the green waste for to, to have a walk. Ooh, ah, ah, I feel all echoey now. <laughs> and then I'm doing yoga. I'm doing well, we, my yoga practice. We, we have a full busy day ahead of us, folks. Thank you guys very much for listening. As always, thank send you. Send us emails to dltu. Please do at yml.me. And please, if you wouldn't mind, uh, recording. Recording, um, uh, posting review on the iTunes store so other folks can find out how much you enjoy listening to us. This Even though been, we say don't listen to it, us. This has been Don't Listen to Us. I've been Sean King. <laughs> I'm Melissa King. And you've been listening to, I just said that. I, <laughs> ah, say it again. Go on, go on. Don't listen to us. Okay. See ya. Bye. <laughs>